This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Majid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. The precepts are a way of talking about how we understand the connection between insight or wisdom and how that is expressed in a form of life or forms of behavior. And we have very, very different pictures of that connection and what's involved in going from some version of seeing the way things are to expressing something about how we think we ought to live. And moving from an is to an ought is always a fraught logical proposition. The Heart Sutra it says that Avalokitesvara Bodhisattva doing deep prajna paramita clearly saw the emptiness of all five conditions, thus relieving misfortune and pain. Seeing clearly leads to the relief of suffering. And Avalokiteshvara is the Bodhisattva of compassion in some sense unspecified leads to a kind of spontaneous outpouring of compassion as a result of this insight. And yet at different times in different cultures uh, the nature of that spontaneous expression can look very different. When we say Avalokiteshvara clearly seeing the emptiness of all five conditions immediately shaved her head stopped eating meat, gave away all her possessions to the poor, became celibate. Uh, There are complicated cultural attitudes that become involved where we see insight into emptiness as going against the grain of some form of unhealthy attachment or desire, possessiveness.
And at different times we see killing of animals, owning of anything that's mine and not yours, making anyone the object of desire or control is all something that is imagined to be untenable in the light of true wisdom. And yet, we don't know quite how to have a discussion about the nature of those conclusions. Are they things that can be talked out or debated? There's a line of, you know, thought that says, well, if you don't agree with that, you know, those formulations, it's simply a matter of your insight isn't deep enough and there's nothing to talk about. It's curious that our the questions of morality in different cultures and different times have been grounded in completely different things. Sometimes morality is grounded in revelation, in God's commandments. Sometimes it's a, we try to ground it in something like a natural moral sense we base it in feeling sometimes we think we can ground it in reason that what makes us most human and moral is our capacity to reason and understand the nature of things and we see the desire to arrive at a morality through reason in in Kant, in utilitarianism, in Rawls, all sorts of different figures at different times trying to have a rational formula for the proper way to behave. The emotional grounding of moral sentiment was proposed by Hume and Adam Smith said that morality is based essentially on what we would call empathy, our capacity to feel what someone else is feeling to thereby have a, a visceral connection to the suffering of others traditional Chinese and classical Greek thought that there were natural moral dispositions that needed to be developed and cultivated. And each culture proposed what it felt were fundamental and universal principles of morality, uh, each of which were 
quite clear and sensible and unfortunately did not agree with each other. Uh, it is a dilemma that what we, we want something like what is good or just or right to not be to mean what's good or just or right for people like us living here or about now but we want that to have some kind of universal application uh, it's been very hard to come up with anything like that although we don't stop trying Greeks in particular thought that courage was a virtue. Chinese thought that filial piety was a fundamental virtue. These lists didn't overlap. Machiavelli was famous for pointing out how the classical virtues and the Christian virtues each led to the development of certain kinds of admirable people but very different kinds of people in very different conditions. There is usually some attempt in Buddhism as well as many other religions and cultures to ground something about our ethics in a basic assumptions about human nature. And at different times we seem to operate from a model in which what we're trying to do is cultivate our basic goodness and create the conditions of life or practice to allow us to become as fully human as possible because we have a sense of fully human meaning fully good and there are other times in which it seems that the actual content of morality presumes an intrinsic fallenness a basic set of innate tendencies that must be extirpated or combated at every turn and that we need strict rules to keep us from doing the things that we would do naturally. There have been attempts to find a basis in morality in our natural state through Darwin and natural selection but there's a big problem in trying to relate what we call goodness to what Darwin called fitness uh, we, from a Darwinian perspective any characteristics that we have must have at some level been selected for 
over countless generations and they must have some evolutionary value. Yet the basic Darwinian value is the promulgation of our genes as widely as possible, which would seem to make the the sultan with a very large harem uh, more fit than the celibate Dalai Lama. And yet we want to say that the Dalai Lama embodies goodness separate from fitness. On what basis? Now, I I raise all of this because I'm I'm trying to point out what I think is a, a kind of natural human craving for foundations and universal principles and that we think that uh, when we come to a religion or a practice like this we're going to get some kind of clear answer about these questions. Yet one of the things emptiness means is that we live in a world without those foundations. And yet it's not, we don't quite know what uh, that means. You know, in one sense, we could create a model that we think of as tolerant. They say, well, we think this and you think that and each person is free to choose their own set of, of values. And yet we don't allow that to be true when we come to things like basic human rights. We don't want to say that uh, slavery may be a perfectly acceptable uh, cultural decision. We want to believe that there's something universally or fundamentally wrong there. And yet people who are against abortion, against killing animals for food, they have an equally deep sense of the absoluteness of that principle, that it's not open to discussion or cultural difference. Philosopher Mary Midgley cited the case of a student in one of her philosophy classes who was trying to insist on a notion of tolerance and acceptance of difference uh, by asking the question, uh, isn't it always wrong to make moral judgments? We, we so quickly cycle back into finding a way of being absolutely sure of something. So what we're talking about is a capacity 
to reside in an irreducible degree of uncertainty. That we come, all of us, to practice looking for answers and some kind of certainty. But we may discover that it's questions and uncertainty all the way down. 